Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 11 of the one and only show, bringing you tips and tricks to working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is, you done messed up. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in, three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and this is Crash Tech, the expert angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, the expert angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review. Phil, guess what, man? Special, special show today. We are graced once again with the musical stylings of Chris Wells. Oh, that's a horrible idea. He's actually, this show, this, this show today is going to be a musical. We're going to sing the whole way through it. I'm going to sit back and laugh this hysterically. Actually, for everybody listening to this on audio, you're really going to miss out because me and Chris are going to sing and Phil's going to dance on the video. So, you know, I'm just saying, mm. just throwing that out there. Yeah, that's not happening. One bad idea follows another. <laughs> See what Chris and I have to deal with? Ugh. You know what? Actually, though, this kind of leads into today's topic. So today's topic is actually cause versus fault. <laughs> and I would say Phil's probably the cause of most of our bad ideas, and I'm at fault <laughs> for coming up with them. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> so, no, so an interesting topic today, cause versus fault, right? And I think a lot of people either A, don't realize that there's a difference, or B, if they do realize there's a difference, they don't really clearly define these and properly investigate them. So round table, here we go. Phil, different, is there a difference in cause and fault? Absolutely. Not, not in every situation, but absolutely. Stop talking. I was going to Chris. Shut up. I'm going to our guest to hear. <laughs> Chris, difference in cause and fault, yes? 100%, yeah. Okay, Phil, go ahead, follow up. What, what were you no, saying? I don't want to talk now. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I finally figured yeah. it out. <laughs> I mean, not in every situation, but um, just like we've said before, every if you have a two-vehicle crash, every, every vehicle is bringing something to that event, and I think it's incumbent upon the investigator to look at what each – vehicle each operator is bringing just because car a pulls from a stop sign into the path of car b does not mean that car a is cause a and fault what if car b what what if car b is in a 35 mile an hour zone doing 90 all right so let me ask you this then maybe we should clearly define this would it be fair to say that cause isn't necessarily the vehicle. We're not talking about the driver when we're saying cause. We're talking about the action, uh, right? The the, the causative action, action. So I would say for me, and the way I define these in in my reports is cause is the action which resulted in two objects 
occupying the uh, occupying the same point in space at the same time, regardless of con- uh, of contributing circumstances. Yeah, the action that resulted in the two vehicles. Yeah, colliding. Yeah, that's a good definition of the cause. So, for instance, and Phil likes this this analogy, right? Or this example, I guess you would say, is a vehicle pulling from a stop sign. Your client pulls up to a stop sign, looks both ways, and to the left of him is a hill with a big crest and a vehicle comes over that hill at 130 miles an hour as your client's pulling from the stop sign and there's a crash. Phil, what's the cause of the crash? The car coming over the hill. Oh, the cause, I'm sorry. Jeez. Oh my gosh. I didn't listen to his defination. I went right to the fault. I went right to the fault. No, the cause of the crash is the car that pulled from the stop sign into the path of the other vehicle. Right. And, wh- and, and why and why is it that that caused the crash, that action? Because it pulled into the path of the other vehicle. If the other vehicle did not have a stop sign head right away, let's say it's just a straight through way, then you know the expectation would be that the car without the the traffic control device would should be able to go down in the road unobstructed. Well, and, and right. And we're going to get into this here in a second because you have a, a, a legal obligation to travel lawfully, but yeah, w- without, if the other vehicle doesn't pull from the stop sign, it doesn't matter how fast the vehicle's going. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other vehicle, regardless, he could be going as Phil once calculated 10,000 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. And the crash doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it takes flight. <laughs> yeah, but the crash doesn't happen. <laughs> right, right. That's why we still do these interviews over a Zoom because Phil's in hiding because NASA's looking for him <laughs> to learn how to build a vehicle that can. Uh, I have I have uncovered their secret their secret uh, weapon. <laughs> so, so then would it be fair to say the fault then would be the consideration of all contributing factors? to determine which driver then contributed more to the collision than the other. I think 100% your fault is going to always lie buried in the contributing circumstances. Yes. 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting because we brought Chris back for the show because Phil's like, ah, this will be interesting to have three different perspectives on this. But see, Chris is just being a yes man. He's not even challenging us on this now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, think, I, I mean i i feel like i'm in trial though with this <laughs> to be fair don't you think like don't you feel like you're being uh being examined here on the stand phil every time eric asks you a question <laughs> no i feel like like my my desk is solid i just feel like bang my head <laughs> <laughs> so mr relly would it be fair to say <laughs> would it be a fair <laughs> assumption <laughs> it, it's but how many times have you seen chris where officers will automatically go to the failure to yield as the scapegoat for cause and fault. They automatically say, well, this one had to stop sign. They pulled from it. They're, they're, they're the cause of the crash and they're at fault for the crash because they pulled from a stop sign, but never look any further to what that other car is bringing to the event. Oh yeah. yeah I've had that. We're all come. They'll call me seem to be like, Hey, so I got this guy at fault and I look and like the car that hit the guy coming from the stop signs, a quarter mile down the road and i'm like yeah i'm like did he like pull off they're like no that's just where he stopped and i'm like we may want to look at speed here 
you yeah, may you have, have a little bit of an issue. Yeah, you have 200 feet of skid mark coming into the into the collision event, and then another you know 150 feet of, of post impact skid skid marks and dragging and this that and the other. And well, this one pulled from the stop sign, so they're at fault. They're the cause of the crash. You think? Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and you know this this really to highlight this. I mean, Phil, you might remember this case. Is this was a while ago, and this one. I was I was not happy with this case. Uh, first of all, uh, um, because there's there's certain like we have certain requirements on cases that we will and won't take and things like that. And and this is one that we thought was going to work out one way and it ended up being completely different. But if you remember, it, it uh, happened here in in one of the bigger cities in in Ohio. And I, I go up to look at this scene and the same thing. It was a uh, two vehicles going the opposite direction. One vehicle goes to make a left onto a side street. And the, the vehicle coming the opposing direction hits it and they both travel off. And I go out to the scene the first time and I couldn't find the final rest. I'm like, man, I don't see any fluid. I don't see like anything because typically when the vehicles come to final rest, like, you know, you'll see big pools of fluid staining the road and things like that. And uh, I didn't see any of that. So I left and then I find out that even though in the report, it shows that like the vehicles really only went maybe like 30, 40 feet. The, the the vehicle that was coming the opposing direction went two city blocks <laughs> and threw a telephone pole <laughs> and uh, in a 25 mile an hour zone. <laughs> so, I, I don't see a problem. I mean, no, I'm thinking 15 to 20 tops. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the problem is, is they did exactly what you did. What you just said, Phil, is the officer Mark Faraday yelled turning left. Right. And they're like, oh, other which don't get me wrong. What's the causative event? The cause is the fair to yield turning left. I'll give you that, right? Because without it, the other vehicle could have came the opposing direction at any speed and the crash doesn't happen. Well, you know, and, and this goes back to a case which obviously, I don't know where the status is, but the, and you and I have talked about this one a number of times. Well, then um, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> where that's exactly what the investigating agency did they they it, you had um a vehicle that we'll say east and west two lane road westbound vehicle slows to make a left turn into you know a, a side street or what have you and, and a, the vehicle traveling the opposite direction eastbound was an extremely high rate of speed um, and tags the turning vehicle in the right rear wheel. And they, the, the investigating agency automatically went to failure to yield right away when turning left. Um, and I mean, hemmed that individual up something terrible. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and for all intents and purposes, I mean, you know, they could have ruined that person forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying they're they're wrong from the fair to yield stance, but they never dug into the the contributing circumstances, and that changed everything, absolutely everything. You went from a from a felony situation potentially, it maybe down to a misdemeanor, you know, event because the other vehicle brought so much more into that collision event that that you know a reasonable, prudent driver most likely would have done the same thing. Yeah. And so I think a lot of attorneys, though, are afraid of the of of that that causation. Right. Because in really, I think our reports and reading some of these other expert reports mm -hmm. really fail to address this. Most do. There might be some out there that do address this, but most fail to address cause and fault. And everybody just kind of lumps this together into yeah. into one 
category. And so when you see our reports and you see that, well, here's the causative action, right? But this person's at fault. And, and we do get a lot of resistance on that of like attorneys that go, ooh, ee, I don't know. I don't know that, that I, that I want to know the causative action. But let you me ask you this, and, and I'm going to have you consider this, right? Isn't that coming out anyway in trial? Absolutely. Yeah. And so realistically, if you get on the stand and argue that this guy turned left in front of, a, of the other car, right? Or failed to, to yield when turning left in front of an oncoming speeding car. If that's where we get stuck arguing over, who's losing that fight? Arguably the guy that turned left. Right. Because every juror has had that beat into their head. Oh, you got to wait. You got You have to yield before you can turn left. Right. Well, so if that's where we're going to argue, you're going to lose that argument 10 times out of 10. Well, here's the thing. You can't hide from it. So why are you even trying to hide from it? At the end right. of the day, when, when the evidence is presented and, you know, the officers on the stand, they testified, you know, so this car was turning left. Yes. What are you going to get up and argue? No, they were turning right. Right. Just concede it. <laughs> Just concede it. This person turn left in front of this person and get off of that topic. Get over it. You can't hide from it. It is what it is. Just right. accept that fact. Spend your time and energy and spend it on um, the contributing circumstance aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wouldn't even go down the path of, well, you know, they took off or they started turning at such a slow speed. Stop. Yes, that, yep, I agree all day long. That car turned left, got hit, yep. Right. Move on. Let's get to the more important topics. Yeah. And and then you can even concede that, right? Because how many times have we gone into court then? Once you start to accept some of these facts, right, that everybody can just agree on them, and then it doesn't become an argument in court. Like, yeah. everybody's like, okay, you know what? We're just going to concede, and everybody's mutually going to agree upon this vehicle turned left. Yeah. Sure did. Right? And that, that turn resulted in the collision, right? That, 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 that caused the actual, that was the causative factor. Everybody agrees with that. So now you go into the courtroom and it almost kind of just gets glossed over. Like, because it's not contested, right? Like everybody's just like, yep, <laughs> here you go. This vehicle turned left in front of oncoming traffic. Isn't that true? Yep, right? And everybody just agrees and it goes away. But now the now we can actually put the focus where the focus really lies which is the speed now of, of the oncoming vehicle. Right? Speed or, or, or some other action. Right. Or, yeah, view obstruction <laughs> or, what, you know, whatever. Private right. property had a tree blocking the, you know, failed to trim their bushes. What, whatever. Whatever the case may be. We can start to look into that. Yeah, because I know I've had trials where sitting there and they're beating to death a point that you're like, yep, it ha and they just keep beating it. And you look at the jury and they're just like, well, yep. They did it. He said it four times and they just quit listening to everything. And now you've yeah. lost the jury's attention. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, just guys get through it. We know it's there. Like you said, it's coming out. Let's, let's just what? eat that one and move on to show why that didn't matter. And, and that's, and you just hit on such a crucial point, Chris. I mean, number one, if, if any attorney out there and here comes some hate mail, so direct it to me, I can just press delete, but <laughs> we don't read um, it anyway. <laughs> if you think for one minute, your jury members are so excited to be there and they are so excited to sit there and listen to you and the other counsel argue and talk and bicker and object and, and, and put on this, this, this show 
uh, for, for your side of the case or the other side of the case, you're delusional. They don't want to sit there and hear that. So they want to get there. You know, they want to get there, hear what I have to hear, get me back in the, in the deliberation room. We'll render our opinion and I want to go home. They don't, they don't understand it. They don't, you know, so the more time you spend arguing about something that is just conceitable, then move on, you know, get, right. get to your real point. Because otherwise, like you said, Chris, spot on, you lose the jury. And at that point, once you've lost that jury, you're going to have a hard time getting them back. And, you know, I, the, the attorneys don't ever like you guys, you guys don't get to watch the jury when you guys get into arguments and then the judge calls a sidebar. Right. Because you're all caught up in the arguments. But I do. You ever oh, watch yeah. the jury? You ever oh, watch yeah. the jury? Oh, right. Man. And what's their reaction when both attorneys start arguing and a judge calls a sidebar and, and, and you go off the record? What's the reaction at the jury? They shake their heads. They roll their eyes like they're irritated. Well, yeah. and now a lot yeah. of the courts like ours, they put like that. I, don't know, I think they call it white noise, but it's just static to me. So they're listening to this horrible sound so that they can't hear anything everybody's talking about. Yep. Yeah. I swear, I know you guys talked about it a little bit already in another podcast, but I swear, me being on the stand, I love interacting with the jury. I just kind of look at them, smile, right. and like, like give, try to, try to build wave. a little rapport with them because I'm like, <laughs> they, they're annoyed with you, but I need them to like me. Right. So I just right. need to be like annoyed with them, like, eh. Yeah, you know, but at the end of the day, and then when you come back from your sidebar and you get to the the, the point in your in your uh, presentation where you're now going down that path of digging into the contributing circumstances to start building your case that you intended to do all along, but because you've irritated them so much in the previous you know cause portion of it, they are not going to appreciate the fault. Right. And once you start going down the fault path and, and that's damaging, I mean, piss off your jury and, and see, you know, see how that goes. Yeah. You now know. I will tell you, you know, Phil says the jury doesn't want to be there. Um, I don't know about you guys. I, every time I get subpoenaed for jury duty, I go and like, I'm so I've been trying for 13 years. I've been trying to sit on a jury and uh, I just, they, they never pick me because you know, they're like, what, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a business owner. Oh, okay. You know, and I'm like hoping they're just going to leave it at that. And they're like, what kind of business? Uh, crash reconstruction. And they're like, ah, oh, crap. We have an ag vehicular homicide case. Sorry, you're out. You know, I'm like, dang it. Like, I, I, so, I want to sit on a jury so bad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just, but they, they don't. The, the cases that I've had, you know, where, where you, you've, you've been in and you've seen the jury. I mean, like Chris said, pay attention to what your jury's doing. You know, pay attention to the body language. Yes, they are going to be attentive and they are going to be smiling and happy at the very beginning when everybody's giving their opening argument. Right, like this is pretty cool. Like they're thinking it's going to be like NCIS on TV or whatever, you know, any of these shows. Yeah. And then when you start getting into this, you know, this bickering match and so on, and you can, just like Chris said, they're they're rolling their eyes. They start moving around their seat like, all right, I'm going to, now they start thinking, I'm going to be here all day. I needed to get the car in for an oil change. And now we're going to have to sit and listen to this arguing, bickering. What their, their, their mind is in Myrtle Beach and, you know, you're, you're, you're tangling over. You know, the, so, the so what you're saying is that jurors do not appreciate the $12 an hour that they're being paid to be there or $12 <laughs> a day. I mean, $12 a day. Yeah. 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 You're yeah. saying that's not, no, they're not excited about that. 
I think if they could get away with putting a cardboard cutout in the seat in their place, they'd do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Climb out the window, rappel down the side of the building. Do like Major League Baseball, put a stuffed bear there for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, fine. I mean, I understand. There, there are jury members that maybe are retired and don't care, and they and they enjoy it. Yeah, that's not your whole. That's not your whole jury. I right. guarantee yeah. you that. So uh, on this cause and fault thing, let's talk about this a little bit here as it relates to the report. Because the first thing you guys get, right? So uh, client, potential client calls and they go, hey, I was injured in a car crash. First thing you guys do is order the, the police report. Or possibly there might be some attorneys that do this out of order. Order the police reports and then, <laughs> and then contact the, the drivers. But either way, one of the first things you do is look at the police report. Okay? Yeah. And so when the, the two places you got to look is, think about it this way, right? Unit and error. On almost any state's report, you're going to have somewhere. Now, some states, most, some of your commonwealths do not assign error, right? Unit right. error. But for the most part, the rest of the actual country. No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm joking. For I, I feel my blood pressure boiling because I know where you're getting ready to go with this. Yeah, this so, is, so uh, unit, infuriates unit error, me. Yeah, unit error is typically the unit that, that the police officer is saying is at fault. Then you're going to have a page that says contributing circumstances or something like that. And that's where they're talking about. This is the causative factor. Now, Phil, if you if for the attorneys reading this report, there is one contributing circumstance that when marked, they absolutely need to call a reconstructionist 100 percent of the time. What is that contributing circumstance? Failure to control. Yeah. Chris, the default. Yeah, the problem is Ohio took that off their report now. So if you see a 99 other unknown or something, <laughs> that's the cop's way of going fair to control. And yeah. you'll see it in their narrative. Yeah. The other side of that, too, though, it, it aggravates me to no end because it, it just, it, it, it to me, it points to just lack of putting effort in is once they say unit one of most departments, not all, but most departments will – Whatever unit in the collision event um, they believe or they're going to sign as your at fault or, or unit in error, they make it 01, just the first unit. So they will put your unit one as your unit in error. And then when you, the, the information for your unit two will 99.99% of the time will always be the contributing circumstance of one, none. So that car is just like, is beyond reproach. Yeah, it could be, you know, a tornado, but that car is going down the road in a bubble of sunshine with birds yeah. chirping and literally, flowers. Blooming. Literally, Jesus is driving that car. <laughs> Halos over top. I mean, come yeah. on. No, there's something they could have. There, there's something. Look at all your options. And if it legitimately and you can say, no, I looked at every single contributing circumstance and none of them really fit, then fine. Yeah. You know, then it might be a one none. But, you know, if, if your driver, when they fill out their their OH3 or their statement form, you know, and you ask, well, how fast were you going? Uh, I was going 60 to 65. OK. Yeah. And it's a 55 mile an hour zone. There's a contributing circumstance for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Choose and, it. And, and that's just <laughs> it. I mean, like failure to control for me is the ultimate cop out for a cop. Yeah, it is. Right. That's the ultimate. Way I don't know. I don't care. I don't give a crap. Fair to control, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, and then and then <laughs> unit error of unknown, right? So, yeah. but if you see that fair to control, the reason I say you need to contact a reconstructionist to look at this, right, is because fair to control means that they didn't even have the ability to control, 
right? There was no ability to control. And, and so me and Phil were just talking about this actually last night. You have a vehicle driving down the road, drives off the right-hand side of the road into the grass, overturns in the ditch and kills somebody or something like that. 99.99% of the time, Chris, what, do, what what's that inexperienced officer? What are they going to mark as a contributing circumstance? Fair to control. Fair to control. Phil, or what the, was the or the most cause? experienced officer? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> These are those, remember we talked about crash reports that may or may not be completed in CRAN. These are yeah. the ones we're talking about. And uh, so, Phil, but in that scenario, what's the actual cause of the crash? If it's a mark, if it's a marked roadway, then it's going to be marked lanes. Yeah, or yeah, I, I mean yeah. that you failed to operate in in your lane of travel. That's yeah, what caused the crash. Contributing circumstance: if it's an unmarked road, drove off the road. Yeah. Right, because the ferry to control didn't come into play until, until he began rolling. Once the, the vehicle was rolling, then yeah, it was and a no matter control. what that what that driver did, whatever kind of driver input they did, it wasn't going to matter. It was happening. That's yeah. where the, the loss of control occurs. It didn't occur just because they went off of the roadway. That's not fair to control. That's some other action that yep. the driver did or did not do. Yeah. And then and then finally also, so if you see that one, pick up the phone and call. Yeah. Right? You need After, to get into that. A hundred percent of the time, pick up the phone and call. Okay. Um, and even if it's a single vehicle, right? You have a single vehicle crash. You're like, ah, it's fair to control. Dang, crap. I guess I can't work this one. What's the... Is the road slope correctly? Is there appropriate friction value on the road? Is there appropriate signage for that curve? Appropriate signage approaching that intersection? I, I mean, like there's so much that you could look into and that may be beyond a reconstructionist or, or not beyond, I just say not in that wheelhouse. Remember that, that you know, whole talk of staying in your lane, right? If, if it's a roadway issue of a construction or the, the amount of friction mm-hmm. available on the road surface, man, that is in an engineer's wheelhouse all day, all day long. Like you need to get an engineer involved and be like, Hey man, you know, this, this curve is sloped towards the outside of the, of the curve. Well, and and you look at, uh, you see this a lot in rural crashes um, where, you know, the, 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 the roadway is there's a, a a grade positive grade going up a hill and at the top of the crest, the road, you know, curves off, you know, curves down and to the left or curves down and to the right and there's no advanced warning sign right for it. yeah you come so, over the top of that hill crest and boom you know you're the assumption that most people take is that you know everybody knows that that's there well what about the person that may be visiting from texas that's never been down that road before it's a 55 mile an hour road and they come up over that crest have no clue that the road's going to do something different yeah and all of a sudden they come to the crest and nope or here's, you thought it was going straight, but it didn't. Yep. Or here's one that we see very, very often. And I guarantee if you've been doing personal injury cases at all for any length of time, you have seen this crash report. Okay. And you may or may not have taken the, the case because you have an agency who will always mark this the same. And so for those of us that ride motorcycles, like me and Phil, Chris rides on the back of his wife's motorcycle, I think. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, bazinga. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, no, but you know, you get out in the rural country and either you come around a curve or come over the crest of a hill. And on the other side, some street department has ground up the asphalt. And it's now that loose gravel and the motorcycle slides out, right? And crashes, kills somebody, hurts somebody, whatever. What's that superior agency going to mark on that crash report for the causative factor? Fair to control. 
hundred percent of the time. Right. And it's not at all. I mean, you, you legitimately have a case against whoever ground up that roadway and didn't put signs up that says loose gravel over this hill crest. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, so think about stuff like that. And that's why when you see a ferry control, it's so important because, you know, when we're looking at and diagnosing these causative factors versus who's the actual fault for the crash, right? It's a big difference. It's a big, and, and so you, you not only have the, I would say the, the, the fair to control one, but then your next one that you should be calling on to at least just get a, an opinion, at least say, Hey, take a look at this and tell me what you think is fair to yield. Mm-hmm. I'd say fair to yield cases are your next one because and almost every state that I've looked at has this baked in. Okay. When you read fair to yield, you have to yield the right away to any vehicle traveling. How Chris? An appropriate speed and for the roadway. Yeah. In a I lawful mean, manner, yeah. right? Almost every state defines your right of way as your right to travel uninterrupted upon a roadway in a lawful manner. Right. Yeah. Yep, so, absolutely. so when you have these fair to yield cases, you really got to analyze the other vehicle. And this is where Phil was talking about, right. Is you get that report and you know, unit number one is going to be fair to yield. And unit number two is going to be none because they didn't even look at it. They didn't even look into it. And so here's, here's a great tip trick to go into court with when you start talking to the officer that completed the report. So this be used in deposition, defense trials, whatever. Okay. Is generally when you look at a police report, what vehicle is unit number one? Unit air. The at-fault vehicle, right? Almost everybody makes the at-fault vehicle unit number one. So I would ask the officer, when did you determine who was at fault at the, the collision? As soon as you arrived or after the investigation was complete? Right? Because if they put unit number one as the at-fault vehicle and you go down this, this, this series of questioning and you go, okay, how'd you do, you know, when you do your police reports, What's your department's policy? Because some departments actually have a policy on their traffic unit that says the at-fault vehicle goes in as unit number one. Right. Right? And so go down. Say, do you have a policy? Yeah. Okay. So you filled out this, this report and you put that vehicle as unit number one, right? Yeah. Was that before or after you conducted a complete investigation? Mm-hmm. Right? Have you ever, and then ask them, have you ever had a report where you've had to change the units? Right. Because all you're starting to show is and, and police officers, unfortunately, this happens a lot. Right. And, and we've seen it. And, and this is one of the, the nice things about having like our multi-jurisdictional team that we have is you get out there and you run the risk of getting that notion in your head. Right. Oh, well, this guy turned left in front of that vehicle. So he's going to be unit number one, fair to yield before you even look at anything else. Right. And so now you start making all of your evidence. What? Fit, fit that narrative. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you got to be really careful because you have, uh, you you have a, uh, Chris has a fancy term for it. Uh, like your observational bias or something. Yeah. The observational bias is the big thing that, that's, uh, we always watch for when we're doing our training and testing. And I mean, we had one where uh, it was a left turn case turned in front of another car and everybody's like, man, he turned left. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I go, guys, you're going to have a speed issue on that other car. I'm like, damn near ripped that thing in half. Yeah, like it's not as clear cut as you think it is. Well, and you got to remember, too, you know, for especially for police officers that are completing these reports, they believe everybody operates the vehicle like they do. Right. But you got a police officer is a trained driver. 
you know, so and normally they're familiar with their neighborhood. So they're gonna be like, oh, they knew that stop sign was there. Did they? Right. You know, I, yeah. I mean, stuff like that. And so you've got to really look at some of the stuff. Don't just take it at face value. Right. And so like once I realized that this was an issue for our department, when, when me and Chris were working together, I started changing the way I did it. And I just say, always oh, the striking unit is unit number one, regardless of who's the fault. The fault unit could be one, two, three, four, five. I don't care. My striking vehicle is always unit number one, because I can tell that when I arrive on scene, I know who hit what. Right. But I don't know who's at fault when I'm doing that report. Yeah. And that's, we adopted that and it's, it works out well because you can't and it helps you keep track of things. And the big thing with figuring out cause fault when you're looking at the police report is remember most cops don't like doing crashes. They were trained by someone who doesn't like doing crashes. This is a a secret we're telling you guys. (laughs) And and, and the main training aspect you always get is do the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, Sometimes I think they take a little liberty with that stupid part. (laughs) I'll look at stuff and be like, how did you come up with this? For any officers listening to this show, direct hate mail to Chris Wells at. (laughs) You all know it'll get file 13, so it's fine. (laughs) Yes. So, well, there you go. So Phil, final thoughts on the show, man. What do you, what do you got? Anything good? Pearls of wisdom. Wow. I don't know about that, but for the criminal defense attorneys, cause they're probably going to get the earliest glance maybe at these cases coming in because you're, you know, your, uh, your unit one or unit and air is likely going to get charged to some degree, whether it's a traffic ticket or whatever. But the, for the criminal defense attorneys, I would tell you when you get that case, it's a fair, fair to you, or I'm sorry, fair to maintain control or something that, you know, that we talked about, you need to find out right now is that it, are both vehicles, uh, airbag module capable of being imaged. If so, you need to go after that uh, it, right now, because I promise you, a lot of departments, if not the majority of departments are not imaging those they're imaging and, and them. before you and before you do that go listen to episode seven about yeah. uh, our podcast that's all about airbag control modules <laughs> and i you know and i've even run into this where you know people have called and asked hey what do you think and i'm like you need to download those airbags right now get yeah. your warrant and get and, and download them what do you you know why are we waiting yeah but i already know who turned left in front of who i okay you know right. that tells you that tells you the cause part Right. You ain't fit, now, you ain't they need to find out who's at fault. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But so. the, a lot of people don't do that. And yep. right there lies a lot of evidence. Yeah, 100%. Chris, final thoughts, man. What do you got? Uh, go on, Phil. Uh, if, you, if they're not uh, capable of being downloaded, make sure you got photos or a vehicle inspection on them. Because, again, that's going to tell you if you got a speed issue looking at that damage. Um, like we said, don't take face value about that failure to yield, failure to control. It yep. may not be, again, maybe the cause, but it ain't necessarily the fault. Yeah. And so. that's my, my final pearl of wisdom is going to be, right? If you have a single vehicle crash and, and it's marked fair to control, those are ones that you really need to have looked at because something caused that crash. Something happened, right? Typically, you don't see vehicles going down the road. They just overturn, right? They just start rolling down the roadway. <laughs> Right. I mean, typically that's not a normal thing. So something had to happen and, and may you run into some that it legitimately is just, 
you know, guys just drunk or driving too fast or something. Yeah. But there are these cases where poor roadway design, poor signage, poor visibility, poor something, you know, and there's, there's more to this crash that just wasn't even looked at because the officer was irritated. It was raining. It was nighttime. And, you know, we interrupted his lunch break and he went out there and he's like, ah, single vehicle crash, you know, and just whips that thing out. So those are the crashes really that you guys need to have looked at. So, well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the expert angle group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show or would like to be on a future show, head over to Crash Tech Expert angle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up, put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the crash site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the crash site defense Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them. 